And so as I prayed, as I do many a times before I get ready to preach and to teach, Lord, give me clarity and help us to hear what you need us to hear. Not only that, as I prayed earlier this morning, I asked the Lord to bind any and all distractions that would keep us from hearing what He has us for us to hear this morning. And so I want to simply start, and I want to I want to call you to remember. I want to call you to remembrance. I want to call you to remember what it was like to be a student. Do you remember a time in your life when you were a student? I saw some, you know, nods. I saw some smiles. And so this morning, the topic of what we're going to talk about, today's message is around being a student. And as I think about being a student, I think about, I don't know about you guys, at least for me, I think we could all truly say that we have a favorite teacher. Right? As we think back on all those that have impacted and shaped our lives, there's a favorite or favorites that bubble to the top. And why is that? Why is why do we have favorites? Well, because of their impact. But listen, it's because we connected. Right? You, I, we connected with them. They invested. So when there's connection and investment, we learn and grow. And I want to tell you about one of my favorite teachers. His name was Mr. Max Weber. When I was in Sumter High School in the 10th grade, I had taken photography and journalism, two separate classes. And I'll never forget, it was in the spring of that year. And I was in class, and all of a sudden, there was a knock at the door as my teacher was teaching or we were working on something and they said chris chris moore we need you to come here i'm like okay what i do like why you know what do you need me for and so i stepped out into the hall i'll never forget it was mr weber and i hadn't met mr weber but mr weber said hi my name is mr weber and i'm the yearbook advisor and i hear that you're interested in photography he said would you like to come and to be a part of my class would you like to become a part of the yearbook staff i was like Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Right? And so he came. He he made that initial, um, had that initial conversation. He showed me that he was interested. He showed me that he wanted to invest in my life. And, and that he did. And I'm very thankful for that. Right? Because he, the thing I, he makes, the reason he's my favorite is because there was that connection. Right? He pulled me aside. And as a photographer, he taught me what, a good photograph really was, what to look for. And then you know what he did? He sent me out with tons of film and he said, go shoot all the pictures that you want to shoot. And then we would review it. And then eventually I became my own harshest critic, right? He taught me what to look for. And then I began to know what to look for. And I would go shoot a roll of film and say, okay, this one's good. No, no, no. I could have done this improved here, but this one's good. So you had a few that were good and you saw where you could improve. But I He's my favorite because he invested in my life. He allowed me to be a part of his classroom. Most kids go to the commons at Sumter High before school. Well, I would go to Mr. Weber's class, right? So there was that invitation. There was an openness. There was uh, a feeling that I was invited in. And so this morning, I want to tie all this together as we continue a series on the Great Commission. 
on the Great Commission. So two weeks ago, before we had uh, Hurricane Florence, we started this series called Commissioned. And so I want you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to Matthew, to the 28th chapter. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you and, and call you to remember again that Matthew was a tax collector turned disciple because he followed Jesus. He's also known as Levi. We find that in Mark's Gospel. And so I want to look at these verses today in Matthew's Gospel. And I want us to unpack the truth that we see there. I want us to review from two weeks ago because it all, it, all of this is tying together as we continue in this series. But I want you to see something else today. And so let's read Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, Who's them? That's the disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus, go, therefore, and make, y'all say make, make, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So today we will look at the second of five key takeaways from this particular passage. And I want you to remember that this is not a mere suggestion. Last, two weeks ago, our key word was move. We said when you know, you must go. Right? Jesus opens this conversation that he's having with the disciples and he says, look, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go. Go. So listen, church is not the destination. He didn't say come, he said go. Now church is a place where we gather each week to learn and to worship together. Then we depart, we move, we go to love and to serve like Jesus. Why do we go? Why are we to go? Because Jesus commissions us to go. The Greek verb, as we talked about two weeks ago, here in our English word go, is actually not a command, but it is a present participle. Going. Jesus is saying, as you are going, you are to do these things. And so, listen, as we are going, we have to move toward our Maker. We have to move toward maturity. Maturity. Make a mental note of that because in about two weeks you'll hear that word again. And we have to move toward the mess. So we're talking about that we're commissioned. So what, is, what does it mean to be commissioned? A commission is this. It is a formal written warrant granting the power to perform various acts and duties. It's an authorization, a command to act in the prescribed manner or to perform prescribed acts. In essence, it's a charge. Jesus is charging the disciples and he's charging us as we read his word this morning and he's calling us to go. He's calling us to go. As we are going, we are to love, we're to lead, we're to serve like Jesus. 
It's an authority to act for, in behalf of, or in place of another. Jesus said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. has been given to me. He's giving it to us through His shed blood and through our faith and trust in Him. He's giving us that same authority to go forth. And a commission is simply a group of persons directed to perform some duty. So Jesus' commission should be our mission. Right? Jesus' commission should be our mission. For the church as a whole and for our lives. So last week we centered around this word of go. That there should be movement. So that was last week's title. We're commissioned to move. We're commissioned to go. And today I want you to see that Jesus commissions us to make. What are we to make? He tells us, go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples. Listen, before you can make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. Amen? Before you can make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. If I could just take a moment of clarification. In any time as we're talking about disciples or discipleship, if you will just insert the word in there, student. Right? We get so caught up in churchy words. We're discipleship and we're making disciples. Yes, that's what we're called to do. But sometimes we just need to boil it down to what it really is. And it is a student. So you might be asking yourself this morning, why does all of this even matter? Why does it matter? Why should we go and why should we make disciples? Because you and I are called and commissioned. We must obey. This is not for a select few, but it is for all of us. Right, as I talked about this particular passage with a friend of mine, he was like, you know, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He's really just speaking to them. No, he's speaking to us. How did the gospel message spread? It spread because people took it. Right? From 12 to the whole world. Some 2,000 years later, we're still... Spreading the gospel. We're still trying to shine the light of Christ into the world. Some 2,000 years later. It is a command. It is commissioned for each and every one of us. Now each and every one of us being those that are believers. Okay? If you are a believer of Jesus Christ, if you've accepted Him as Lord and Savior, you are called and you are commissioned. Now, you might not be called to Africa, and you might not be called to California, and you might not be called to Atlanta. But you are called to where you are in your life right now. You are called, as we've talked about, your dot on the map, your circle, your neighborhood, your work, your school, your social circle, your family. You are called to those areas. God has placed you there on purpose to spread Light to spread hope to those that you are going to come in contact with. So I want to talk about disciples. Okay, so a disciple 
Now this is back in, in Jesus' day, something that I read that I thought was kind of helped me connect some dots. So a disciple, a student in Jesus' day, attached himself to a teacher, identified with him, learned from him, and lived with him. He learned not simply by listening, but also by doing. Friends, a faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Do our deeds, do our works save us? No. It's only through faith, through grace, that we are saved. But if we are saved, then there should be deeds, there should be works in our life. As we preached another series a few weeks ago, we talked about the fruit in the life of a Christian, that we should be pointing others to Christ, that we should be praising God. Those are things that should be evident. And sometimes I question myself. I don't speak it out loud, but I do question and it's like, Certain circles and certain conversations that you're in or certain environments that you're from the outside looking in and you're like, do these people even know the risen Lord? Are they believers? You can't tell it by their actions. When you come to church, as I heard one pastor say, when you come to church and it looked like you sucked on a lemon, is the joy of Christ in your life? Live it out as you are going. Listen, disciples are made, not born. Think about that for a second. Disciples are made, not born. A disciple then is one who has believed on Jesus Christ and expressed this faith by being baptized. He remains in fellowship of believers that he might be taught the truths of the faith. He is then able to go out and win others and teach them. This was the pattern of the New Testament church. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. We'll get back to that in just a second. So 2 Timothy 2 is, is a key in this conversation this morning. You see, Jesus opened the minds of His disciples to understand scriptures, the Scriptures. And they knew that He wanted them to teach the converts. Y'all, it is not enough to win people to the Savior. We must also teach them the Word of God. This is a part of the great Commission. If you will, turn with me over to 2 Timothy. 2 Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, then you'll find 2 Timothy. Listen to what Paul is writing to his protege. Listen to what Paul is writing to the young man whose life he is investing in. 2 Timothy, verse 1 and 2. It falls under the heading of a good soldier for Jesus Christ. 
You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Aren't you glad that grace is not only free, but it's also strengthening? Verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let's pause there for a second. There's more of 2 Timothy that I want to read, but I want to pause there for a second. Paul says, in what you've heard in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. Y'all say faithful men. Faithful men. All right? Who will be able to teach others also. Listen, discipling stands... Are falls on those two little words. Faithful men. Faithful men and women have always been in short supply. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the story of Mary and uh, Joseph. God is looking for faithful men and women. But don't skip over verse 3. Oh, no, no, no. See, that's why we don't just pluck verses out of Scripture and just try to apply them to whatever we're doing. Verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Share in suffering. That's not a message you hear from most pulpits today, is it? In most conversations about Christianity today, is it? As a believer, there will be suffering. Maybe not like our brothers and sisters in Christ in, in, in areas. I talked to one of our missionaries this week that I'm trying to connect with, a commission, um, missionary from here in the church, and he said, listen, he said, I'll be glad, I'm trying to work on them sending some video clips to us, right, so we can see them and get a message from them and how can we pray for them, right? They can write stuff, but... We live in a visual society. Let's use technology to our advantage. And this one missionary, he said, listen, he said, we'll send you something. He said, but don't post it on your website and don't post it on the Internet. Okay. He said, we live and we're trying to minister in a Muslim community. You can't share it. Right. You and I don't have that to worry about. We don't have those constraints. But there are brothers and sisters in Christ of ours that are suffering around the world. Turn with me and look at verse 14 through 17. This falls under the heading of a worker approved by God. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, he's writing and telling us this reminder as well. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which do no good, but only ruins the hearer. Verse 15, you've heard it. Be reminded of it. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightfully handling the word of truth. Verse 16. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Verse 17. And their talk will spread like gangrene. So this morning as we're looking at commissioned to make disciples, 
This is the only command in the Great Commission. Jesus is calling us, make disciples. I want to mention as I was studying and I was reading something that said, teach all the nations. And I'm like, wait a second, what? Where's that coming from? But if you have a copy of King James, it actually, instead of saying, make disciples, it says, teach. But if you look back at the original language of what's being said, making disciples, discipleship is really what Jesus is saying here in this first word. Yes, teaching is a part of discipleship, but we're to make disciples. There's a difference. It's deeper. Discipleship includes teaching and walking alongside others. And Jesus said, while you are going, make disciples of all nations. All nations. So what about you this morning? What about you? You are called to go and to make Christ known. Not remain alone. You are called to go and to make Christ known, not remain alone. So how do you apply these truths to your life? Well, I think you need two ingredients. You need a process and you need people. If you're going to apply these truths to your life, you need a process and you need people. So I ask you this morning, do you have a process? Do you have a process in your life of making disciples? Of helping people grow in Christ? You, personally. Not a Sunday school teacher, not a deacon, not me as the interim pastor. Do you have a process, a plan, in place to help people grow? Then I have to reflect inwardly and say, do we? Does Bible fellowship have a process of making disciples? If we answer that question, then we also have to look and we have to say, is it working? Is it working? Can it be tweaked? Remember, we've said disciples are made, not born. I think that's there's so much truth to that. If you'll just marinate on it, I have a book. It's that, that's the title of the book. Disciples are made, not born. And listen to what it says. It says, He, Christ, demonstrated that you have not done anything until you have changed the lives of men. Jesus provided the model and the method. His promise, I'm with you, right? Go, make, teach, baptize. Then He says, I'm with you. Always. So his promise is linked to a process. And we cannot embrace the promise and ignore the process. So I ask you this morning, who are you investing in? Whose life are you investing in? Who are you doing life with? Right? For many of us, that's our spouse. For many of us, that's our family. That's our children. Mamas and daddies, you have been called by God to be the man of your house and to be the woman of your house and to fulfill that role. If your children are grown and gone, guess what? That doesn't just stop with you. That doesn't just mean you get a bypass and you get to take a back seat. No. Your grandchildren, 
right? I'm thankful for the impact that my grandparents had on me. They didn't stop teaching. They didn't stop investing and pouring into other people. So I ask you, who are you walking alongside of? And who are you intentionally doing these things with? Intentionality is something that's missing, right? You have to be intentional about investing in the lives of other people. For me, one of the ways I'm intentional is there's this, there is this man. He's my age. We went to school together. And I want to see him grow in the Lord. He used to go to church when we were growing up. He doesn't necessarily go to church now. They have children, right? They need to be in church. But I, I'm not going and browbeating him and saying, dude, come on, let's go to church. Let's go to church. But you know how I was, I'm trying to intentionally invest in his life? The way I'm intentionally investing in his life is I have a recurring event on my calendar that says lunch with his name. Every so many weeks, lunch with so-and-so. Now, guess what? The schedule has changed. He's moved. We used to work closer together, and so now it's harder for us to get, to par- get together. He's in a management role, so he doesn't have as much freedom and flexibility. But guess what? It's on my calendar, right? I'm intentionally saying I want to invest in his life. I text him from time to time, you know, but I'm not, I'm just trying to build that relationship. So, and there have been times thus far where he comes along and he says, look, I need you to pray for X, Y, and Z. Will you pray for this person, right? I'm thankful for those times that as we build a relationship with one another, So I ask you what you're doing intentionally. So the church, what is our process of making disciples? Well, it's Sunday school, right? On Wednesday night, we've added small groups. We we have outreach opportunities. Those are ways for people to grow and to learn and to take next steps and to be in a smaller environment, to ask questions, to pray together, and to dig deeper. Circles are better than Rose. You can only learn so much by coming and filling a pew every Sunday morning staring directly at me. Right? Right now, we currently have a small group that's just for ladies. There are going to be questions that ladies have about being a mom or, you know, being uh, a faithful lady, living out her faith in the workplace. What does that look like? That's a place for them to get together and to talk about those things. So secondly, we talked about do you have a process? Do you have people? Do you have people? Can I simply tell you this? Start with yourself. We said that this morning. If you want to make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. So the main thing is be a student. Be a student of the Lord Jesus Christ, y'all. We have so much today in the way of technology and tools and resources and study Bibles and small groups and mission trips and mission opportunities and videos that you can watch online and books that you can read. There is no shortage of things to help you grow in your faith. But guess what? You cannot sit there and just totally just soak things in without using it. You will sit, soak, and sour. Your job is to sit, to soak it in, and then to share it. To sprinkle what you've learned in the lives of other people. And I want to call you to remember this this morning. A humble person can learn from anybody. A humble person can learn from anybody. Are you willing to humble yourself and learn? 
Are you too puffed up with pride and knowledge to hear what someone else is saying? Thinking that you know it all. Most Sundays as we talk, as I preach and I teach, there comes along a prayer. A prayer this morning might be this, Lord, I know you. Help me to be like you today. Help me to share you with people I come in contact with. What a simple prayer. Lord, I know you. Help me to be like you today. Help me to share you with people I come in contact with. And y'all, I love it when I'm studying and when I'm preparing a message and I sit down and I check it, I get an email or I see this Facebook post. And this week, one of my buddies, Nathan Timmons, he's the youth pastor over at Croswell Baptist Church, he posted this. He didn't know what I was working on. He didn't know what my message was about. But listen to what he posted. He said this, Discipleship is not about our comfort. It's not all sunshine, prizes, and fragrant flowers with unicorns. Here's why. This is what he went on to say. Here's why. God is most interested not in making us happy, but in making us holy. That bears repeating. God is most interested not in making us happy, but in making us holy. So sometimes you are the student, and sometimes you are the teacher. You're the leader. The roles interchange. One of the sources that uh, I pulled some information from this week is something called the People's New Testament. It's a commentary. kind of breaks down what I'm reading, what I'm studying. Listen to what it said. Not only is every saint commanded to go or to take steps to make the gospel go, but the object is stated. They are to make disciples, or pupils, or scholars of Christ. Not great philosophers, but babes in Christ Jesus, who have entered the school of Christ and are being taught afterwards. After a message like this, you're probably thinking, won't he hurry up and shut up so we can go home? I'm just being honest. And you're probably thinking, why does all this matter? Why does does this even matter? Why does this matter? It matters because there's someone out there who needs you. What you know and what you've been through, and honestly, you need them too. Right? There's somebody out there who needs you. They need Jesus. If you're seeking Jesus and taking next steps towards Him, you need to share. You need to go. As you're going, you're going to make disciples. You're going to share what you're knowing. Jesus did not come to die for a cause. He came to die for people. People matter to God. So I ask you in closing, what are we going to do with what the Lord has given us? What are we going to do with what the Lord has given us? What He has given you? What He has brought you through? 
I ask you this in all sincerity. Why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? Why did you come this morning? Was it to check it off that you've been to church and so we can say, yep, been to church this week. Woo! Yep, alright. Check that off the list. See you next week. Did you come this morning to be a critic? Or did you come to learn and to grow? And so I want to challenge you this morning to simply take what you know, as simple as it may be, and go. Go. He didn't ask you to have all the answers. He simply said, go. Go and make disciples. And secondly, my challenge to you this morning is be a student. Grow and go. Have an impact for Jesus as you are going. You were called to go and to make Christ known, not remain alone. There's someone out there who needs you. They need to see Jesus in you. They need to feel His love. They need to be like my friend did this week to me, to walk into someone's office and to just know Scripture and be able to throw out a verse. For me, one of those is Psalm 121, 1 and 2. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of the heavens in the earth. And I always tell people this. Keep looking up. Keep looking up. Go. Go. There must be movement. And we must be making disciples. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the Great Commission. God, thank you. There are times, like my friend, that he just says, I don't want to hear that. I've heard that way too many times before. God, I'm reminded of the truth that you gave me, that what we're familiar with, that we cease to see. And so, God, thank you for placing this message series on my heart, within my path, that we might just slow down enough and begin to unpack the truths of these words that you've called us to move You've called us to make. You've called us to go. God, we know, we've learned, we've seen, we've experienced you, you've brought us through. God, help us to take what we've seen, take what we know, take what we've experienced and share it. To come alongside of another friend who is scared or lonely or anxious. And just be a friend and allow you to use us. Maybe we can encourage them with Scripture. Father, I pray now as we, as we sing, as we close out this service, impress upon our hearts what you need us to do this coming week, what you need us to do today, whether it's to repent of some sin, to turn from the way we might be going and turn back to you, or whether it may simply just be taking a next step across the street, across the hall.
to have a conversation with someone about you. Father, we thank you and love you. Have your way in our hearts and our minds. Be with us. Strengthen us. And may we remember that you are with us always. For it's in your Son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen.